Greetings in the Lord, dear brothers and sisters. Uh, for the second year now, we're having a conference, and I'm privileged to serve, but we cannot be together yet, uh, personally, physically, gathered in a meeting place. But the Sovereign Lord has arranged that we will have this online with the messages pre-recorded. And just to let you know, I'm in a large room in the Training Center building, Building 7 on the Living Stream Ministry campus. I'm alone in the room, physically speaking, and I'm speaking to the camera. Yet I do have the sense I'm with you in the Spirit. And I'm speaking directly to you in the Lord. After much consideration before the Lord over a period of time, the Lord made it very clear to me by the anointing and by his flowing within and the divine light shining that the general subject would be this, the central vision of Paul's completing ministry and the central work of God in carrying out the New Testament economy. And it so happens that the word central is used in both parts, both parts of the subject. Central vision and central work. So we need, I would hope sincerely, that we would need to come to these messages poor in spirit and pure in heart so that we may see God and poor in spirit that we might be in the reality of the kingdom. The word vision is very common to us. We had one of the seven feasts a few years ago on the heavenly vision. We devoted a whole conference in Houston, oh, many years ago, but still in this century, just on the governing vision in the Lord's recovery. However, I'd like to share two things with you, one somewhat personal, the other 
uh, actual and practical. That many others in various places on the earth have been in the Lord's recovery and the church life longer than I have. But I've been here for about 54 and a half years. And I can testify to the Lord's mercy and grace and to the faithfulness of Brother Lee's ministry that vision is a crucial and central matter in my life as a believer, in my participation in the church life as a brother, in one serving full-time in the ministry and the work. And I have, on the one hand, been satisfied, encouraged, supplied by what I have seen to this point. On the other hand, I believe there is more to this vision, more detail, more specifics, more application, more experience. So I myself, in composing these outlines and now speaking with you, I am seeking a further clear view of the heavenly vision. And then on the actual and practical side, and I'm speaking in principle here, but the principle is visible in all kinds of situations. It is a fact, dear ones, that there are faithful brothers and sisters in the church life actively, diligently, consistently in all the aspects they as much as possible, attend the feasts. They appreciate conferences. They pursue the Holy Word for morning revival. But there are dear saints, including leading brothers, who actually have not seen the central vision. And what makes things difficult in caring for them is that they are convinced that they have seen the vision, that they do not need to be encouraged to pursue the Lord, to have a fuller vision. They're simply content. And as we will see probably as the messages unfold in this conference, 
if we do not truly see the heavenly vision, that will have a drastic effect on our experience of Christ, our enjoyment of Christ, our growth in life, our being built up in the church as the body of Christ. And at this point, I would like to read to you something that is recorded in the Life Study of 1 Corinthians, page 54, and that's page 54 of, of the softcover version published years ago. Now I'm quoting Brother Lee here. Do not take for granted that because you are now in the Lord's recovery, you are secure in the recovery and that it is not possible for you ever to be divisive. Whether or not we are secure in the recovery and protected from divisiveness depends on the vision we have seen. Those of us that have been here for some decades will recall what happened in 1978 when a co-worker arranged to have a kind of following and they actually rebelled and became critical and left and went into another direction. How can someone truly see a vision and behave like that and do that? But it happened. And then in 1989, another co-worker, actually a few co-workers, one is with the Lord, you know the name, others are still alive. They said that the recovery has changed in nature, we have to go on. They turned from the ministry of the age In Galatians 6, Paul charges those that want to care for a brother or sister that has fallen in some way, that they've had a big failure and they need care and they need help. And Paul says, consider yourself, lest you also be like this. And Brother Nee's writing on this matter has helped me very much. He said, if you want to help restore someone from a fallen condition, you first need to repent Repent of what? 
of that you are the same and could do the same. You haven't done it, but you're no better than the other person. My point here is, we should not trust in ourselves. We should not have confidence that we're very clear about all the crucial things in the central vision, that really we don't need another message on vision. Well, this can open the way for a colossal failure in times to come. Shortly, I will come to the outline and the subpoints in the first section will help us to see or remind us or renew our understanding of what vision is and what vision does. But I'd like to read Brother Lee's footnote on Acts 26, 19. I'll come back to this verse later, probably. But here Paul says to King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And this is footnote one on the verse. Not a doctrine, a theory a religious creed, or any theology, but a heavenly vision in which the apostles saw the divine things concerning the dispensing of the triune God into his chosen, redeemed, and transformed people. All his preaching in this book, that's Acts, and his writing in his 14 epistles from Romans through Hebrews are a detailed description of the heavenly vision seen by Paul. That is why the subject of message one is the urgent need to see and be governed by the central vision. And we will see that the central vision is the central vision of Paul's completing ministry. Now, one other verse, and I'd like to put these two together. Another familiar verbs, verse, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Then in Acts 26, 18, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Here, here are two not positive uh, outcomes 
in the lives of certain saints with respect to the heavenly vision. Proverbs tells us that if there is no vision, people will cast off restraint. They will be utterly free in their view, actually lawless, to say and do and be whatever they want. Close to two years ago, when it was necessary for the co-workers to address an online, a very strong criticism, even an attack against the Lord's recovery. And there was a helpful meeting with FTTA graduates and a letter was written and the Lord came in to deal with this. But I received emails from young adults that when they were little, they were the children in the church. They are believers. But it would be unclean and unholy for me to disclose the content of some of their writings. No constraint. No regard. No vision at all. This can happen in our midst. It is in my heart, I believe in your heart, that this upcoming generation, the young people, the young adults, will not be following a second-hand or borrowed vision, but will themselves see this heavenly vision and be restricted and directed by it all the days of their life. What a blessing that would be to them and to the recovery. Now, just a comment again to the, about Paul's word in Acts. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He could not say to Agrippa, uh, well, I'm just sharing you my thoughts. I don't claim to have any kind of vision. No, he, his whole life as a believer was governed by the vision. Everything. But he said, I was not disobedient. Disobedient. In other words, he's saying, I, I have been obedient to the heavenly vision. To put it simply, we must obey the heavenly vision. This indicates 
the vision exercises authority over us. The vision governs us. This is the heavenly vision from God the Father. And it not only restricts us to be proper God-men, staying within our measure, it is something for us to obey. But the word disobedient indicates, I feel, disobedient. It's possible to truly see the vision, especially at one time in our spiritual past, we really saw something, and that affected us positively. And for a long period of time, we were governed by it. But what happened under that leader in 1978, that was disobedient to the heavenly vision. What else shall we call it? How can they say we never saw anything? They had seen. Then even more, in 1989, one of the brothers from California taking the lead in this division and separation was the first American co-worker to serve with Brother Lee, who did so many things for years. The Lord used him for years. Then he had a change and disobeyed the heavenly vision. And so I am thankful to the Lord for this opportunity for myself personally as a member of the body and for all of us as members of the body to have a fresh consideration and receive from the Lord a new, living, up-to-date speaking. I'm not referring to my speaking. I'm referring to the Spirit's speaking. May we all have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And as I'm here, sitting at the table, uh, speaking and recording this message. It's the same. I'd like to be new and fresh and living and vital and responsive and obedient, all due to the central vision. So now I come to the outline. I read the title again, The Urgent Need to See and Be Governed 
by the central vision. I would appeal to you now, as I begin to walk with you through the outline, that you not be introspective about what I just said and what will come forth for the remainder of this message. Let's all turn our heart to the Lord. According to the verse, when the heart is turned to the Lord, the veil is taken away and we all with unveiled face behold and reflect the glory of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, let's all, right now, in a new way, turn our heart to the Lord. Now the veil is lifted, and we all, we all, with unveiled face, will be focused on the Lord. The word urgent is here deliberately. It's not simply the need. Uh, it's one thing for my wife to tell me, Ron, you need to join me for an exercise walk. You need the exercise. In your work, you're sitting a lot. I, I agree. And we walk together. But an urgent need is on another level. If someone is aware that in his or her body there's some troubling symptoms, there's the need for medical attention. Not just, well, I should schedule an, an, an annual checkup. No, this is urgent. This could be life-threatening. At least it could lead to serious illness. I can't wait. So that is why, continuing to use this illustration, our faithful doctor brother Rick Scatterday he is the one who brought me <clears throat> to the hospital, <clears throat> to the ER room more than once. Well, we cannot cause ourselves to have an urgent need. <clears throat> but the Lord knows, and Brother Lee knew, according to his discernment and spiritual understanding, this need is urgent to see the heavenly vision. And there's an urgent need to be governed by this vision. To see and be governed This is the burden, really, in this message. 
And instead of being in any way introspective, having turned our heart to the Lord, we come to him and I would suggest we open and pray something like this. Lord Jesus, how much vision have I really seen? Lord, don't let me deceive myself. Considering that knowledge of things is vision. Lord, may your eyes search and examine me. I want to be in reality with you. Lord, I'm willing to see what you know that I need to see. I'm here before you, poor in spirit and pure in heart by your divine life flowing in me. I'm seeking you. I love you. And Lord, have I been obedient to the heavenly vision? Lord, have mercy on me. Because what others did in disobeying, I could also do. If a certain thing happened to me, and I'm really bothered or hurt or offended, and just leave the recovery as many as done, Lord, I'm coming to you as I am. I'm open to you, Lord. Speak to me. Shine on me. Lord, fulfill the verse in Psalm 36. In your light, we will see light. Lord, here I am in light with you. <clears throat> Show me light that I may have more and more view of the central vision. Point one, the vision that the Lord has given to his recovery is an all-inclusive vision. Well, what do we mean by an all-inclusive vision? Well, I would say there may be two aspects to this. On the one hand, it's a vision <clears throat> that includes all, excuse <clears throat> me, this phlegm, that includes all that is revealed in the New Testament, especially through Paul, but also with Peter and consummately with John. Lord, I need an all-inclusive vision of what is in the Bible, the New Testament. And also we say the Lord has given to his recovery an all-inclusive vision because we are heirs of what the Lord has been doing in recovery for 500 years. Martin Luther had a vision of being justified 
by faith. That was a part of the heavenly vision. There are believers in Lutheran denominations that are in a time warp. Their vision is 500 years old. Then the Lord went on to the brethren and the heavens were opened and the scripture was opened. But we know what happened to them. But now, by the Lord's mercy, his sovereign mercy, we are in, under the heavenly vision, under the vision of the age, the ministry of the age, and served by the minister of the age, and we're in the stage of recovery of the all-inclusive vision. What a blessing this is. A, in the Bible, vision denotes an extraordinary scene. It refers to a special kind of seeing, a glorious inward seeing, and to the spiritual scenery we see from God. And we have examples there in Ezekiel 1 and in Daniel chapter 9. Extraordinary scenes. Daniel, later on, in chapter uh, 10, yeah, chapter 10, he just humbles himself before the Lord under the vision. But today, in my, in my reading, I was in Revelation again. And I, I'm just saying, wow, it's like I never saw this before. The Bible ends with vision. The final word to the local churches is this vision, the consummate vision. And the Lord said to John in the last chapter of Revelation, I, Jesus, have sent my messenger to testify these things in the churches. And the scroll recording the vision was sent to the seven churches. And what do we have in the book of Revelation? Is extraordinary scene. The Son of Man in the midst of the golden lampstands. In a way no one ever saw him before. And God and the lion lamb on the throne, administrating the whole universe. A vision of the Lord's dealing with the world in righteous judgment. Then a vision concerning Babylon. Then a vision concerning New Jerusalem. 
This is how God decided to conclude the Bible with one extraordinary scene after another, believing, not believing, we do the believing, but God intending that this will sustain the church, protect the church, motivate the church until I come again. God himself realized how the churches need this consummate vision of extraordinary scenery recorded in this book. B, in order to have a vision, we need revelation, light, and sight. And these verses we're familiar with. In Ephesians 1, Paul prayed that the Father would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him, the eyes of our heart being enlightened. So, there's a spirit of revelation. And that word revelation is related to the word in Greek for veil. And revelation is to take away the veil, to see what is behind the veil. And we all need the the Lord to do this in us. There may be certain kind of veils inside of us that we're not aware of. So we turn our heart so all the veils will be lifted. And then we need light. If the veil is lifted and we're in darkness, we can't see, obviously. And the light is God as truth shining in us. But then we need sight, the eyes of our heart. The Lord told the church in Laodicea, they were self-confident. They thought they knew everything. The Lord told them, you do not know you're wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked. And he said, buy ointment from me to anoint your eyes. Laodicea was once the recovered church. It degraded. So we need this experientially. Even, we can be praying for this right now. I do it as I'm speaking, you as you're hearing. Lord, I need more veil lifted, revelation, more light. Send forth your light, Lord. Let them lead me, the psalmist says. Lord, I want to anoint my eyes with eye salve that I may see. Now inwardly I can see the extraordinary scene. Point C, 
Everyone who serves the Lord must be a person with a vision. As probably many of you know, a long time ago, in the early 60s, I was a theological student at a well-known seminary, and I really earnestly studied theology, and I concentrated on what is called New Testament theology, but I didn't have any vision at all. And now, as we're meeting here, dear brothers and sisters who love the Lord, who want to serve the Lord, are in Bible schools, they are in seminaries, studying this and that. I'm not criticizing, I'm just stating the fact. But even the professors, the instructors, don't have the vision. Then they go out working all over the place with a good heart, but no governing vision. We must be categorically different in the Lord's recovery. Everyone who serves the Lord, well, according to God, Everyone in the church is a servant of God. We're not just those who love the Lord, like the virgins in Matthew 25. We are the servants serving also in Matthew 25. Serving is a body matter. Right now, my whole body is serving me, not just my mind and my eyes and my tongue, the whole body. But of course, especially if one is burdened to serve full time, one must have a vision and be governed by the vision and obedient to the vision and restricted by the vision. Now, point D shows us the effect of seeing this central vision, the heavenly vision. And every point here, every verb here is experiential. None of it is theoretical. The heavenly vision governs us. The heavenly vision restricts us. The heavenly vision controls us. What is controlling us? We may want to ask the Lord. Lord, is there anything inward or outward that's really controlling me? Am I controlled by the heavenly vision? Lord, you know. I want to be in the truth. I want to be genuine and truthful and real and sincere and honest and genuine. Lord, where I am and where am I in this? The heavenly vision directs us. 
That is why in my portion in the ministry of serving the Lord, I have no right and I do not try to exercise any right just to speak what I'm interested in, what uh, I enjoy. I'll have a conference and this is what I want to do. No. I'm I must obey the heavenly vision. I'm under the throne, which is the source of the vision. Direct me, Lord. Even now in our speaking and hearing, direct us, Lord. The heavenly vision preserves us. Thank the Lord. We cooperate with the Lord, but we're not able in and of ourselves to preserve ourselves. But the vision preserves us. The vision revolutionizes us, as it did with Saul of Tarsus. He's the pattern. How he was fully immersed in his religion, thinking he was serving God by arresting and agreeing with the deaths of believers. He wanted to destroy the churches. Then the vision came and he was revolutionized. Well, we won't have that kind of outward experience, but the principle is the same. At least to some extent. When when I came into the Lord's recovery, and began to see the vision little by little, I was revolutionized. I thoroughly rejected and terminated and removed everything from the religious past, everything from the seminary, everything from the denominations. I'm in another universe, and I was just a beginner seeing little by little The heavenly vision keeps us in the genuine oneness. Genuine oneness, not a man-made oneness. And the heavenly vision gives us the boldness to go on. The boldness. What, what, What an impact the vision has. And I long as your brother. I just would like to be in a fellowship meeting and just listen to dear saints testify their experience of the vision governing, restricting, controlling, directing, preserving, revolutionizing, keeping, and giving boldness to go on. Many can share. We're all learning. We're all growing, advancing, pressing on. But thank the Lord for what we've been learning up to this point. Let's proceed from here. Now, E, under the heavenly vision, we are directed toward God's destination. 
And our life is controlled according to God's economy. Okay, first, under the heavenly vision, we are directed toward God's destination. What is God's destination in this present age? It is to fulfill the Lord's word. I will build my church. God's destination in this age is to build up the church as the organic body of Christ in reality. This was in our brother Lee's heart, the reality of the body of Christ in the local churches. And the reality of the body of Christ in the local churches simultaneously will be the living and the manifestation of the church as the new man fulfilling God's eternal purpose. And when the Lord reaches this destination, now this age in his recovery concerning the body and the new man, he will be able to say, Rejoice and exult. The marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. God's destination is the church as the body of Christ, as the one new man, and as the bride for whom the Lord will come, and then openly he will come with her and manifest the kingdom on the earth and change the age from the age of grace to the age of righteousness and the kingdom. And the heavenly vision controls our life according to God's economy. Our life controlled according to the divine economy. Again, we need to consider. We can grasp this point and we can agree and say, this is such a, uh, an important matter. My, the heavenly, uh, under the heavenly vision, our life is controlled according to God's economy. Okay, let me address a brother or a sister, let's just say in their middle 20s and beyond, and you sense the need according to God's creation of male and female, you long to be married. This is altogether normal. Will you live this part of your life according to God's economy? Will you see the connection between Entering into a courtship, an engagement, 
the wedding, the marriage, the family life. And through every stage of our life, it's quite obvious, I'm not afraid to say it. Several years ago, I waved bye-bye to middle age, sayonara, alviter zayin. I'm leaving this stage of life. I once asked a brother, this is many years ago, who specialized in medicine for elderly people. I asked him at what age would I be officially elderly? And he gave me an age. So now I'm in another stage and it's new territory for me. How to live. How to live a God-man life. Oh, the heavenly vision having this effect that my life can be controlled according to God's economy. God's plan and arrangement to dispense himself into us and constitute us with himself and build us together in the body as a reality. So Lord, just guide me in every aspect of my life as an elderly person. I just want to have a normal God-man life. Then F, the governing vision of the Bible is the triune God working himself into his chosen and redeemed people in order to saturate their entire being with the divine trinity for the producing and building up of the body of Christ, consummating in the new Jerusalem. This is the governing vision of the Bible. Martin Luther, in his time, could never say this. John Calvin, who is just exalted as such a brilliant theologian, and people call themselves Calvinists, and their religion is Calvinism. But John Calvin could never say this. John Nelson Darby and William Kelly, primary leaders among the brethren, the Lord showed them so much, but they could never say this. But we are under the all-inclusive vision. And as we know, the Lord wanted to go on, no way to go on in Europe, certainly no way to go on in the United States. He went to China. And we know from there on what happened. And here we are, the blessed recipients of the governing vision of the Bible. Oh, please, let's not take anything for granted. How blessed we are to be under the ministry of the age and the minister of the age, someone who sees and knows and experiences 
and lives in and ministers. This governing vision of the Bible to see the triune God himself is working himself into us, his chosen and redeemed people, in order to saturate our entire being. If we really are under this vision, every day in our contact with the Lord, we will do this one thing, open our being to him. Lord, more dispensing today, work yourself into me today. This is the central work. We'll see. His central work is to build himself in Christ as the Spirit into us. Lord, here I am. You know what I need, where I am. Thank you for another day. Make, make this a dispensing day, a saturating day, a permeating day, a growing day in me and all the saints all over the earth. This is real. This is practical. And the goal of this is for the producing and building up of the body of Christ, consummating in the New Jerusalem. And the New Jerusalem is the wife of the redeeming God. What a vision. Now a little time on point two, then we'll conclude maybe in about uh, between 15 and 18 minutes from now, we'll conclude on Paul's completing ministry. And then in message two, we'll consider more the substance of Paul's completing ministry. To the difference between the Lord's recovery and traditional Christianity is the central vision. From the Christianity that I know, through actually being there until the age of 27, and for at least 11 of those years, in two I was very active in one denomination and graduated from a seminary. And then as a portion or as a part of my ministry, I keep my eyes open for developments in Christianity so we understand the age in which we are. And it's just simply the fact that the difference between the Lord's recovery and traditional religious organized Christianity is the central vision. Even the most genuinely spiritual brothers and sisters who may be, really, they may be Overcomers in Sardis. They were faithful to what they saw, like Billy Graham was. But I never heard anyone say, I've consulted, honestly, hundreds of books, consulted them. I never read. 
anything about the central vision. It's just a fact. Point A, if the saints do not see the central vision, we will become a repetition of traditional Christianity. And the Lord will be delayed in carrying out his recovery and accomplishing his purpose. This was one of Brother Lee's greatest concern at the end of his days when he knew he would soon be with the Lord. And I have a little document from my study of his ministry with many statements along this line. He was so concerned with what will happen to the recovery. Will the brothers taking the lead bring in a change in nature? And he said this. We're talking about the saints in the Lord's recovery. That's you and me. And in the recovery, that is, in the local churches. If the saints do not see the central vision, we will become, not we might become, we will become a repetition of traditional Christianity. And before the Lord and under his covering, I have to say, as long as I am with you and have breath, I will stand against repetition of traditional Christianity. And from time to time, this repetition is creeping in. It has. Even sometimes workers brought it in, or leading brothers brought it in, or sisters brought it in, in their notion of spirituality. It can happen. I'm not suspicious. I don't go around inspecting things. I just enjoy the Christ and all the saints. But we must have the discernment to protect the nature, integrity, and purity of the recovery. B, some saints must see the central vision in a solid way. In order for the Lord to have a way Otherwise, we are only a repetition and part of traditional Christianity. Some saints. Would you not like to be among the some who see the, see the central vision in a solid way? In a solid way. So again, I point you to the Lord personally. You fellowship with the Lord. I'm not the one to determine anything along this line. Lord, is my seeing of the heavenly vision solid? Is it solid? Lord, this word here, the central, see the central vision in a solid way in order for you, Lord, to have a way to fulfill your heart's desire. 
A solid vision is a vision that makes us unshakable. We cannot be moved. We cannot. There's something weighty in us and something weighty governing us. No matter what others may do, this is a solid vision. Otherwise, we'll end up part of traditional Christianity. Romans 3, we need to see a vision of the central matter in the Lord's recovery today, the vision in Paul's completing ministry. Let me express it this way. The vision in Paul's completing ministry is the central matter in the Lord's recovery today. There are many other matters that are essential. They are necessary, without doubt. They need to be carried out faithfully and thoroughly and consistently. Sure, surely, we need more gospel preaching. More unbelievers turn to the Lord and saved through the gospel of the kingdom. And they are baptized into the triune God and brought into the church. And without question, we need to raise up more golden lampstands in cities in this country. And we fully enter into the burden of the migration governed by this heavenly vision. But increase and migration, I say again, are indispensable. They're necessary. But they're not central. Again, we need to go to the Lord. This is just the Lord's instant leading, dear ones, in me. Lord, what is central? What is central in me? This conference is all about central. Even the co-workers, we should humble ourselves. Lord, what is central in me? Has my work become central? Has my successfulness in the work become central? Is the number of churches that I've raised up central? It's possible. It has happened. And I'm sorry to say, it is happening to some extent. Yes, it is. And in our personal life, what is central? The central matter in the Lord's recovery is really the vision in Paul's completing ministry. If we are being impressed now, then something in us should be rising up to say, Lord, I need to really see the central vision in Paul's completing ministry. Now listen to this. 
I was there at the time, in every part of it, in Anaheim. Brother Lee gave a conference on the completing ministry of Paul, the central vision in the completing ministry of Paul. And the churches in Southern California were there, but primarily Anaheim. And of course, Brother Lee could discern the ministering spirit can detect what is the receptivity, what is the reception, how are the saints taking it in. And a few weeks later, you know what he said? Those messages did not matter to you at all. He told us. That was the truth. He never lied. He never exaggerated anything. Always exact. No wasted words ever. It didn't mean anything to you. I don't know how many were just brought to repentance for hearing this. We don't say, oh, that's them. That's that one. Lord, what about me? And if it happened, oh, if it happened when Brother Lee is speaking, then surely you've got a brother like me here and others who are just, it's obvious, we have our portion, but not that portion. And now we're speaking about it. What is our inward response? Are we poor in spirit, pure in heart, seeking the Lord? A, God wants us to realize that in Christ, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit has passed through a process involving incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. It's easy for the enemy to inject a thought to say, oh, you've been there and done that, just like our culture. Been there, done that. I heard that, oh, here it is again. Well, how much do we see? How much is the vision of this? We need to see. One, by incarnation, Christ brought the infinite God into the finite man. Two, in his human living, the Lord Jesus expressed divinity in humanity. Three, by crucifixion, Christ terminated the old creation. By resurrection, he germinated the new creation. Five, by ascension, he was glorified, exalted, enthroned, appointed Lord, and commissioned with the divine government. Following this, he came down upon the church as the all-inclusive life-giving spirit. Once again, maybe the last time, because in two or three minutes, the message will be over. In all of these matters, they're not hard to grasp. 
The language is quite simple and direct. Do we have a vision of incarnation? Do we have a vision of the infinite God in the finite man? Do we have a vision of divinity expressed in the Lord's humanity? Do we have a vision of Christ on the cross terminating the old creation? Do we have a vision of being germinated by Christ's resurrection as a new creation? Are these just teachings to us? Doctrines to us? Familiar Lord's recovery uh, teachings? Are these parts of a vision? Part of the extraordinary scenery? of what the triune God went through in Christ to become the all-inclusive spirit? Do we have a vision of the ascended Christ as the one glorified, exalted, enthroned, appointed Lord? Lord, have mercy on us. How much do we really see? And how solid is the vision? Lord, it's not just for our personal history, our hope of being with you in the kingdom. This is for the future of your recovery and your ultimate move in this age. We want to see this heavenly vision thoroughly for you, Lord, for the Father's will and purpose, for your heart's desire, Lord, for your longing to marry and have a bride and wife and to come back and reign as the kingdom and turn the age. You need a people who see. Lord, make us those who see and are governed by and controlled by, revived by the heavenly vision. And then a little point on caring for the new believers. Be as the life-giving spirit, the Lord is waiting for people to receive him by believing into him. Lord, may more people in the Great Lakes area, in Ohio and Illinois and Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all the other places nearby, save so many of all ages, all races, all social class, all Save them by the hundreds, Lord, by the thousand. May the white horse gallop throughout the United States in the midst of the chaos going on. Lord, cause many to receive you and believe into you. As soon as a person calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus, Christ will immediately come into him, regenerate his spirit, indwell his spirit, and mingle himself with his regenerated spirit to cause him to become truly one with him. Lord, may we all see this. May all the newly saved ones see this. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. A new believer must come to know the true spirits, the two spirits, his regenerated spirit and the life-giving spirit, that he may be transformed and built up with others to be the body, the organism to express the triune God for the fulfillment of his purpose. This is message one.
the urgent need to see and be governed by the central vision. May this be so in all of us for our advancement, for the defeat of the enemy, and for the glory of God.